0: My heart skips skipping the beach and i not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, sway into
1: the music. Girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. I don't think you know what you're doing to me. You got my- With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. SRN Survival Survival Radio Radio Network. Network. Good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are on this great globe of ours, you are listening to the weekly wellness show, your resource for better health here on the Survival Radio Network. As you know, this show hosts health and wellness experts to bring you relevant, usable, and up-to-date information regarding your health. I am your host. I'm honored to be your host, pharmacist, physician, entrepreneur, Dr. Aaron Williams. We hope that you have had a great week. We hope that you have a great weekend planned, and we hope that you are sticking with your wellness protocol as you have designed it to improve your health. Remember, your health is your wealth. So whether you're listening on the East Coast, the West Coast, outside of the Continental USA, we're glad to have you this morning or this afternoon. Now, last week we had a great show. We had a weekly wellness show roundtable. Dr. Denise Gooch and Jeffrey A. Lamar were our panelists on the show. We talked about a lot of great health topics. You know, we talked about getting a flu shot earlier this year and why. Why? We also talked about the FDA's call out of a particular vape company with regard to southern, the underage consumers. Uh, We also talked about hurricane. You know, we talked about getting ready for a hurricane. We talked about also what to do during a hurricane and after a hurricane. We also talked about what not to do. So we had a great show. We talked about the Mediterranean diet. So we had a lot of good topics that are pertaining to the news and a lot of tips related to that. So I encourage you to go back and listen to the show. You can always go to Facebook, just put in Weekly Wellness Show, and go ahead and click on the link to that show. Now, we have all our other shows on that Facebook page as well. So if you see any topics that you'd like to listen to, go ahead and check those out. Uh, and don't forget, if you think someone else could benefit from any of that information, don't forget to share it. Now, we're on all the social media. We're also on Twitter. You can follow me, uh, at Dr. Aaron Williams, on Twitter. You can also follow me on Instagram, at Dr. Aaron Williams. So our goal is to make sure that the health and wellness information is out there and that everyone can benefit from from it. Now, next week, we're going to have another great show. Uh, Dr. Zarina is going to be here. She's been on the show before, and uh, she's going to be talking about another great topic uh, with regard to, uh, I believe, pain. We haven't solidified that yet, but don't forget to join us. She always has a lot of great information uh, with regard to uh, health and wellness, so don't forget to check us out next week at noon. Now, Today is another uh, great day of health and wellness. Um, we're not going to deviate from our determination to bring you the best by the best. Today we're going to be talking about several things, but our main topic is going to be the opioid epidemic. Uh, and this, for those of you who don't know, these this has to do with... Uh, Uh, Part of our population that's addicted to painkillers, you know, every day more than 115 people in the United States die after overdosing on opioids. The misuse of and the addiction to opioids include, you know, some of your prescription painkillers, heroin, some synthetic opioids such as fentanyl. This has become a very serious national crisis. That affects public health as well as our social and economic welfare. So much so that the CDC has put out some numbers, and they have estimated that the economic burden of prescription opioid abuse alone in the United States is $78.5 billion in a year. That includes the cost of health care, the loss of productivity, the addiction treatment, as well as the criminal justice system involvement. So we're going to deal with that today. Uh, As you know, we always like to bring people on the show that deals with whatever topic we're dealing with every day. And today is no different. We're going to have Dr. Tad Conine of Restoration Physicians from Tampa, Florida. He's going to talk to us about opioid treatment, opioid addiction treatment, as well as some other topics such as hormonal therapy and a lot of things that he's doing at Restoration uh, Physicians. So I invite you to not touch your computer, your phone, but to listen. And during the break, hey, call somebody to let somebody know that they could click in and listen to the weekly wellness show. So before that, we'll go to our first commercial break. So I invite you to please stay tuned so that you can be informed. If your company needs a voiceover professional, call me at 646-504-1376. I'm Dane Reed. That's 646-504-1376. I'm there for you when you need live announcing for events, company voicemails, commercials, professional voiceovers for important videos, voicemails, and anything else your company might need. Call me at 646-504-1376. Interested in doing voiceovers? I also do consultations. Looking for a cafe with a home-like appeal where all who enter feel like they are part of something? Visit My Coffee Shop, located in East Lake, Atlanta, Georgia. MCS has a full breakfast and lunch menu, offering both hot and cold options, and is home of the amazing basil lemonade. But don't forget their assortment of freshly brewed coffees. Come on by at 2462 Memorial Drive, Atlanta, Georgia 30317. We're pretty sure My Coffee Shop at East Lake will become your coffee shop too.
0: You may have heard the phrase, deals are done on the golf course, but do you know how that happens? The book Nine Holes, Nine Goals will provide hole-by-hole guidance on what to do and mistakes to avoid during a round of business golf. Pre-order your copy today at holes 9 goalscom because closing deals on the golf course is no longer just a phrase. You can do it too.
1: SRN Survival Radio Network. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are elated to have you listening to us today here on the Weekly Wellness Show, here on the Survival Radio Network, a network with over one million downloads. Before the break, Doctor to one of the topics that we're gonna be talking about today, and that is opioid or pain killer addiction. You know, a lot of folks are having a lot of issues. Uh, with this, and that's why we want to bring this information by our expert today. You know, the United States government, as you know, is taking this seriously. They've uh, put forth some effort, a lot of effort, in five major areas that includes improving access to treatment and recovery services and promoting the use of overdose-reversing drugs, as well as advancing better practices for pain management. But we're going to talk about this a little bit more with, uh, as I stated earlier, Dr. Tad Conine. Dr. Conine went to medical school at the University of South Florida. I'm going to say the University of South Florida College of Medicine because that's where I attended medical school. Uh, He also did his residency at the Medical College of Virginia in Radiation Oncology. Now, over time... Dr. Conine also developed an interest in addiction medicine. He went back and did some training and became board certified uh, also in addiction medicine. So we're going to really hear from an expert today, someone who does this every day. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show Dr. Tad Conine.
0: Right. Thank you, Dr. Williams. It's so good to uh, be in touch with you again after all these years at uh, from medical school. <laughs> You're doing a great great job on the show. You've had tremendous experts. Uh, I'm just uh, elated to be here.
1: Oh, oh, Dr. Codot is so glad. You know, we've been knowing each other for quite some time uh you know from the days of uh gross anatomy lab at the yet the no. university of South <laughs> I don't want to bring back a lot, I bring back I don't want to bring out back any bad memories they were really good memories but uh yeah, yeah we've been at at medicine and health for a very long time
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. we both ended up in the, the cancer specialty and I, my desire was also uh along these lines what I'm doing now but uh such yeah. specialties weren't available. There was the research wasn't there. There wasn't solid data to tell people what to do. You know, now they they make statements of uh, of uh, simply eating real food, mostly plants, and not too much. That's what the uh, federal government came up with for the latest and greatest. Uh, but it, by doing so, you can significantly improve your health. So, um, exactly, it's, it's an option to consider.
1: It's, well, you know, that's the thing, uh, you know, since you and I have uh, been to medical school and been out of medical school out here practicing, you know, medicine, uh, a, a bit, some of it has changed uh, quite a bit with regard to the approach to medicine, and like you said, I mean, some of the things that, um, you know, for like, you know, as you know, as an oncologist, you know, when, when, when we first came out of residency, immunotherapy was something that was probably on the third or fourth of the option list. When we saw somebody being treated, now immunotherapy is coming to you know uh, to the forefront. Not necessarily as the first line of treatment, but it, it has definitely more uh, uh, use in medicine. So I'm saying all this to say that medicine continues to evolve, as with any other other area uh, or any other profession, and also medicine in general is evolving to what we're what a lot of people determine are calling now integrative medicine, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of that. You know, I was a pharmacist before I, I was a physician, so I understand the, the the advantages of having a multidisciplinary approach, but I'd like for you to expound on that, Dr. Conine, with regard to integrative medicine, because I know that's what you are are, are a fan of and what you're doing at Restoration Physicians.
0: Yeah, we are right. It boils down to what the patient does when nobody's looking, basically, they mm. uh, what they eat, when they eat it, where they're going, what they're doing. Um, in integrated medicine, then pulls in any and all disciplines that the physician would think would be helpful in a situation. So, we're not afraid to bring in acupuncturists or uh, mm-hmm. uh you know, chiropractors with uh, significant training, um, just about anything that. It, it, there's a lot of vitamin infusions and things going on right now. IV uh, uh, you know, vitamins, and I, I don't know. I'm I'm not hanging my hat on that one yet, but right. uh-huh. it's quite clear that you, you know eating a lot of vegetables, um, mm-hmm. combining some meat with it, and avoiding high fructose corn syrup. Th- this could add uh, a lot of quality to your life, not a quantity. That, I don't, I'm not a fan of the life extension, but uh, the anti-aging and let's feel good. That that is uh, the the best part of integrative medicine because it'll bring in whatever specialty you need, whether it's the latest and greatest in nutrition, or um, you know, latest and greatest in uh, prescription medications can also come into play uh, depending upon the patient's condition. So it's it's a wide open field. Um, the uh, American Board of Addiction Medicine has now come under the American Board of Preventative Medicine, so uh, that uh, an addictions doctor is going to be dual board certified under the preventive medicine, uh, if you would like to be, and those are all recognized by all insurances as board certification. So, um, a lot of good things can take place if people follow where they should be and you know, that's what I think What these shows are about things, uh, people like yourself and myself that, that live a life of a, of a better diet and uh, you know some activity I hesitate to call it exercise because everybody runs but right. um, and I don't mean running they run away from the idea but just getting up off the couch and moving around and doing some things and cleaning as well as eating right is uh, it's going to take care of 80% of what you need
1: right yeah, I I agree. I mean, uh, a lot of you know we we've, we've talked about colon cancer. We've talked about cardiovascular disease here on the show, hypertension. A lot of these things can be, I won't say totally eliminated, but 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 significantly decreased. You know, mom and dad may have had it, but that doesn't mean you have to have it. And I think uh, a lot of folks need to you know would benefit, including me, and and that's why we're doing this show and we're doing. Uh, what we're doing here in Health and Wellness is to bring, uh, to show light on some of these things that we can do ourselves. We're Living in one of the best times uh, of man as far as as, as medicine. No, not everything is perfect, uh, but uh, if you take advantage of what what it's had to offer, uh, I think one could benefit. And I like what you said about uh, also uh, learning to benefit from other disciplines. You and I went to medical school, but you know, I, I, I recognize uh, what chiropractors can do, uh, what uh, podiatrists can do, what acupuncture can do. So I think if you at least have those options and help people make a decision about their health, everybody benefits. Now, I noticed one thing that you do at Restoration Physicians is hormonal therapy. That's been really on, uh, been a hot topic, and and you've done that in the past. Can we talk about maybe how – we'll do men and women. Let's start with the ladies first. Uh, what might be some Always. conditions that you treat and, <laughs> and how we could benefit? <laughs> how women could benefit? Well,
0: un- unfortunately, we haven't gotten down to using it for oral contraceptives in uh, you know younger mm-hmm. patients. Um, and, and they're still using synthetic uh, hormones uh, to perform those functions only because of the nature of the side effects of taking – um, higher doses of hormones, the actual hormones, not synthetics. The synthetics are uh, like a, a key that fits into a raggedy lock. In other words, it, it kind of makes it work right, but it seems to be uh, causing the majority of, say, breast cancers and, and things like that, whereas the natural uh, actual compounds of estrogens, there's three different ones, and giving progesterone and testosterone to the ladies, um, for whatever balancing they need, and it's it's the nice thing about this is, it's their goals. The mm-hmm. patients have goals. Yeah, you, uh, you you and I were trained. Well, your blood pressure has to be below one forty over ninety, or right. you can't Back leave to, that yeah. door. Uh-huh. And, and, and today it's like you know, I'm fine one sixty <laughs> over ninety seven. Doc, I'll see you later. Leave me alone, right. people. They, they want to do their own thing, but it, it's a matter of informed consent with the, you know them doing things. So back to the hormone you know replacement with uh, anybody, whether it's men or women, you want to uh, make sure they're using what's called bioidentical hormones. That means okay. that we're not leaning on the synthetics anymore. We're getting away from that. You used to confuse me in medical school because we could see the molecular shape of the estrogens, and then mm-hmm. you could see the molecular shape of these medications that were like estrogens, And I kept scratching my head going, why aren't we giving actual estrogens, the actual progesterone? Why is it progestins? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't really know what took place in politics and everything at that time. And I don't want to know. I don't want to get into it. It's, It's about taking care of people today. And so I want people to walk away with the idea. If they see a doctor about hormone replacement, make sure they're receiving bioidentical hormones. And that means that the chemicals they're being given are the exact chemical structure of what they should have in their body and then the amounts they should have uh wow. it's it's not uh yeah it's 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 very widely used in in women um but there's a a lot of controversy in men um which it, it kind of goes back and forth with just uh the more we know the more we know and you know we've learned that the synthetic estrogens were a problem in women and what we've learned for men Is that uh, it's it's not testosterone. That's the problem. It's some of the byproducts. that can be uh, Aromatized is a fancy word for saying that uh, some changes happen to the Testosterone that lead it into estrogens which are then toxic to men in certain levels. So uh, the estradiol specifically or e2 um, That is is very toxic and is one of the side products. So uh, with women, um, bioidentical hormone has been, been used in Europe for a long time. Uh, there's the, uh, the 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 cutie pie from the 70s, I guess. Uh, Suzanne Summers developed breast cancer, and one right. thing that's unheard of and considered to be malpractice in this country is putting a woman with breast cancer on on estrogens. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and Suzanne Summers went to Europe, and she's been treated uh, with estrogens. Oh, it must be going on twenty years now after her breast cancer, um, and she's uh, picture health. Um, and, and so they did studies, and and estrogens given in the right amounts to women that had had breast cancer actually had less breast cancer return. And that that got a lot of heads turned about 10 years ago to say, wait a minute, what are we doing wrong here in the United States? So, you know, I think uh, the medical community has people like yourself and myself who are looking at the hard scientific data, which we're really trained to do in radiation oncology, and we're applying it to the preventative side and going, are these studies legitimate? Uh, Do they, you know, give us good information? Is this something we can use? And yes, yes, and yes, and yes.
1: So, uh, you know, on the women, on the on the benefits to women. Uh, so, I'm assuming that the, this may help with, uh, for example, menopause.
0: Oh, yes, all the symptoms of uh, yeah, menopause. You could you could delete them just by overriding the system. It's birth control, as as you know, but they the people listening may not know that birth control. What you're really doing is tricking the body into thinking it's pregnant by right. overdriving the system with synthetics. Uh, Menopause is kind of the same thing, but not so much. The menopause is uh, where the estrogens and the progesterones have dropped. And mm-hmm. so we're giving them a replacement in a variety of forms. Um, it takes uh, a little while for those to get intracellular, intranuclear. There's, there's a whole bunch of steps that you and I are familiar with, messenger RNA and the transcription, mm-hmm. creating proteins. It, it takes several months of being on bioidentical hormones uh, for men and for women uh, in order for any um, notice changes within the person right away. So it's not an overnight thing. I tell people to look at uh, hormone replacement like food. If you went yeah. on a diet and you needed to lose a significant amount of weight, then it's going to take a few months. Uh, before it kicks in, the hormones take a while. We're so used to take a pill, 15 minutes later, things are fixed. And hormones are not like that; they're natural products,
1: right. well, now, what about with men uh you know uh men have hormones too <laughs> and 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 you know you hear a lot about particularly on like some of the sports channels about replacing this and replacing that um, What are some of the things that 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 are done at restoration positions with regard to men, and what are some of those conditions that you all might be helpful with?
0: Oh, well, deficiencies in, in anything in the body should be replaced. Uh, if we uh, check somebody and we find their potassium's low, we put them on potassium. Um, uh, these are, you know, simple things have been done throughout time. Um, for some reason, um, men receiving appropriate health care with hormones is a big uh, to-do, and, and uh, uh, people think it's uh, something wrong um, because the men... If they exercise and eating right, they're going to have an external change over a period of months or years uh, because they're getting everything they should. They're going to look the picture of health, right. and people are thinking that steroids. That That's one of the issues, but that's not new to hormone replacement um, back when uh, – I can't remember. It was the early 1900s probably when they started uh, – Working on patients with low thyroid, uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. it was considered heresy to to give these people thyroid replacement. Um, uh, mm-hmm. as, as time went on, you know the the arguments uh, stopped and it started going well. Uh, the people that have proper uh, thyroid levels have less heart attacks. They have a uh, you know less uh, problems with the muscle of the heart, and and so it's it it become safe over time, but. Uh, safe That's a, a relative term Because mm-hmm. just a little bit Too much Or a little bit too right. little of thyroid Over time You, you know that, both, both too much and too little And also the right amount It affects really vital organs Like the heart and the brain And the lungs mm-hmm. And so then the the thyroid issue Has kind of been put to bed So to speak But not completely um, There's There's always controversy in hormones Um, the question is, do we age because our hormones drop or do Mm -hmm. our hormones drop because we're aging? Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and the latest information on nutrition and, and, uh, what's going on in what they're calling the gut microbiome is that, uh, what we're eating is hurting our hormones and their ability to function. So, um, that's not really a, a culture shock for you and I, but, uh, to, to think that um organisms that live inside us and live off us can actually harm us or help us depending upon what we're eating.
1: Mhm. Yeah. It it's definitely a uh the uh, interplay there and I think uh you hey look you know, we've demonstrated that with heart disease and hypertension so you know why not uh uh why it's not so far fetched that it has an effect on the other areas of our body so i think with with you know we call the this drop in hormones with menopause in in women i guess we'll call it an andropause in in men
0: well andropause it's, that's a a broader scope term that just uh, basically says that your testosterone is uh yeah, low uh-huh. and on healthy levels it doesn't right. uh underline the causes. it just says this is what's going on the causes of that can be uh, you know, it could be something from uh, birth. Uh, there, there's uh, men and women, you know, born with uh, uh, the wrong balance of hormones, and uh, this is not uh, relative to the the transgender community that's going on now. That we're not really were sure how that's that's related to hormones and chemical levels, but we do know that um, any hormonal shift in, in a man or a woman could be caused by head injuries because the uh, central drive center called the pituitary gland. Uh, it, it sits down in a bony little tight casing where less, uh, the rest of the brain moves around in a head injury and can uh, disconnect from that for, for some extent. So it it, it could cause, uh, you know, hormone problems in the long run. Um, radiation exposure that we have today, including with cell phones, they're thinking mm. those that are adding to this uh, onset of andropause. Um, you know, it's a low, low testosterone, um, uh, going back again to the pituitary gland in the brain, there could be a disconnect to where it's screaming at the body to make testosterone, but somehow now we have gonadal failure, meaning that the man's testicles are not producing the testosterone they should be. And that's a, a separate issue altogether. But you know, the, the thing that should be taken away from this is don't seek to get your testosterone elevated, you want to have what you should have. And the best testosterone you can get is the one that your body is making. So uh, mm-hmm. any doctors that jump the gun um, and put you on a hormone replacement, men or women without checking levels and, and following you for some months, I, right. I think that's a, it's a little risky behavior for the, the doctors doing that. And, and certainly not going to benefit the patient because if they give the external hormones, then the person's body stops making those hormones and all the nice little things that go on, which science is yet to discover in the process of making an estrogen in, in the female or male or the process of making testosterone in the male or the female. There are, you know, thousands and thousands of little changes and steps to enzymes and other chemicals that I'm sure we're going to find out are beneficial. We don't even know they exist yet, and that's kind of the fun part of being a doctor in this era. Yes, As it is. I can remember back when things didn't exist that now we know what they are and know what to do with them. So it's 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 a great time to be a doctor.
1: It is. It is. It is. Well, you know, the beautiful thing, I think is why most of us went into medicine is to help people. And so when somebody walks in your office with a problem, it's always good uh, that you have at least options and answers uh, before we go to break, uh, Dr. Kona, what are some of those? So again, so the, the, what are some of the diagnoses you see? Uh, what what are people walking your office with uh, as far as diseases or conditions, rather, that you can treat or, or, or maybe can for hormonal therapy? So we talked about menopause. We talked about andropause. Are there other uh, diagnoses or, or symptoms or conditions that may benefit from hormonal therapy?
0: Well, yes and no. Uh, a bad diet uh, can uh, cause the hormones to be imbalanced themselves. So that's not the first thing I do—is give them a replacement, a mm-hmm. review what they eat, when they eat it, because those things can, as they say, interfere. So you have to first say to the the person, "This is not going to fix it." It's it's the person that has, uh, for instance, a high cholesterol and they're not willing to modify their diet first. Uh, Yeah, okay. We could just be harming them by giving them medication. Right. And the same thing with somebody that's got low hormones. You kind of have to give the body a chance to to kick in and and get, you know, on proper nutrition. And you see that a lot in opiate dependency because opiate dependency disconnects the brain from the body when it comes to hormones so that uh, females stop menstruating and, and men stop having normal male uh, secondary effects is the, the term you and I are used to using, but basically that the the signs and symptoms of being a man are, are dropping off because of opiates and, and other use so that uh, those people have a disconnect that uh, uh, an addiction specialist, in my opinion, should have full knowledge of because uh, giving them time to recuperate their own hormones, as I said already, that, the body making its own hormones is a, is the best way to go. So um, letting those patients see if they're going to bounce back and giving them a few months before you begin to put them on something external. Uh, right. And that's important because addiction recovery rates uh, are better when the patients are hormonally balanced. And no surprise. It's just also, you know, if they exercise a little bit and they eat some more vegetables and, uh, get off the couch. Uh, their recovery rates improve then too. So all these health measures we're talking about are tremendously beneficial to the addicted patient.
1: Exactly. Well, you hit on the topic that we want to definitely get into, uh, as we talked about earlier. To mention earlier, this is a this is literally an epidemic. It's costing uh, uh, it's costing us financially, but it's also costing us socially and destroying families. So we want to get into these opioid. Uh, epidemic and some of the things that that you as an addiction specialist are able to offer uh, someone. So uh, with that, I'd like to go to our second commercial break. So ladies and gentlemen, please stay tuned so that you can be informed.
0: you're a content creator, social media socialite, influencer, or simply love to record current events, you need the joystick. The joystick is an essential tool for every type of digital content creator. It holds two or more mobile phones or tablets, allowing users to stream and record hands-free on multiple apps simultaneously. And it's lightweight and portable. For more information or to purchase your joystick today, visit our website at www.joystick.com.
1: Do you have tax issues, owe back taxes, or need tax relief? Contact L&B Tax Service today. L&B offers you over 15 years of expertise and first-class tax service for individuals, professionals, and business owners. With nationwide service, you can easily find a location near you. Contact one of our tax professionals through our website, lbtaxservice.com. That's www.lbtaxservice.com. L&B Tax Service Incorporated, tax professionals that you can trust.
0: Do you have a business, product, service, or an event coming up? Is your current marketing getting you nowhere? Survival Radio Network is an award winning network with over 1 million downloads. We're offering high exposure 30 second spots on our network, reaching diverse demographics both locally and nationwide. Give us a call at 323 977 8172 or visit our website at www.survivalradionetwork.us today. SRN, we do radio.
1: The S R N. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to the Weekly Wellness Show here on the Survival Radio Network. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Williams. Today, our guest is Dr. Tad Conine of Restoration Physicians in Tampa, Florida. Before the break, we talked about hormonal therapy and we talked about the benefits of hormonal therapy in men and women. So we want to use the second half of this show to talk about our main topic, which is opioid addiction. As I mentioned to you earlier, this is this is the an epidemic. And Dr. Conine, what I want to start off with is some statistics that, just to show that, you know, a person who is, who gets addicted to painkillers or opioids, they didn't just wake up in the morning and decide that I'm going to be this person that's going to be addicted. I think the medical profession and the pharmaceutical profession had, you know, had, had some factor into it, not in necessarily intentionally, but the, as, as time goes on, we understand. For example, I've read that roughly 21 to 29 percent of patients prescribe opioids for chronic pain, misuse them. And they've also found that between 8 and 12 percent develop some type of opioid use disorder. Another 4 to 6 percent who misuse prescription opioids transition into heroin. And about 80 percent of people who use heroin first misuse prescription opioids. So I think what we're finding out is, I think maybe in the past, Pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry maybe underestimated the addiction uh, potential of a lot of these uh, medications. So when you hear of the Michael Jacksons and 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 some of the other stars and the Prince and 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 then you know drill down to the people that live in our community that that maybe even in our families and people that we work with, this is not such a big surprise. Uh, what's your take on on this epidemic and and, and how it, we got to be where we are.
0: Well, I, I have unique views that I, I haven't published yet, and so it's a it's a conglomerate of thoughts. But um, to look at the uh, heroin use versus the uh, um, big pharma manufactured opiates, the, the synthetics, uh, which everything that's is a synthetic, uh, the way they manufacture opiates, but. Um, in the era when the prescription opiates were being abused, heroin use fell significantly off uh, it was the it's still the same percentage of people abusing opiates, but the uh, percentage using heroin was very small but it was the same basic population of people
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: that the numbers didn't change in other words, people that would have gone on to be heroin addicts were instead using um, you know, pharmacologic drugs uh, that are opiates instead of the heroin, and now that the the laws have tightened down, we're seeing the return of heroin use. But it's the same percentage in population of people. There there seems to be a, a slight increase, and uh, that that is somewhat of a genetic basis. I I don't mind saying that um, uh, you know, despite being the uh, treasurer at the hospital for the pre-medical honorary society while I was in high school. I was on the wrestling team. I had a part-time job, and I I modeled on two different modeling boards. I I was a a great student, an athlete, and I hurt my knee during wrestling practice. I had to go have surgery, and before they gave me that surgery, they gave me an injection of opiates. Uh, It was the best thing in all of my life I'd ever felt at that point. And uh, I, I said in my head at that point, I'm going to have to do this again. Like, what was that? But they give us medication to give us amnesia and make us forget the surgery. And so I forgot all about that statement uh, until two years ago. It returned to my mind. But I I had become opiate dependent just on the first exposure. My brain was, if you will, in love with opiates. Uh, It was a a course over time that, uh, you know, I found out that was some of my problems. And eliminated those from my life, and uh, things are much better for me. But it is not it was it was not a choice that anybody would make, especially a, a you know a, an up and coming physician as a young man who was uh, you know, working his butt off to be uh, something that you know, could get into medical school. I'm the first male in my family, or the first person in my family to to graduate from college, and then. Mm. You know, uh, went on to medical school as well. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm very active and I'm very, very fortunate to be in touch with you because uh, you and I are doing the same things these days. Uh, and it's just part of the, the gifts and the blessings that come along with doing the right thing. Uh, I was trying to, at that point, but didn't know I had a disease. Uh, we have specific genes that is uh, tightly yeah. linked to this condition. There's yeah. a, there's over 5,000 articles published saying, mm-hmm. here's the gene. Here's the result. Here's the gene. here's the result and And so you know as those genes become more popular, we're going to see more people with the uh, chemical dependency issues, especially opiate dependency.
1: Mhm well what are those um what would you say some of the signs and symptoms of that 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 one may say uh, for themselves or to a family member or a friend that that they might just be addicted. What are those signs and symptoms of that
0: um the, the 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 reason I'm stuttering is that the original model for addiction was based upon alcohol and alcoholism, mm-hmm. and it's uh, two different conditions altogether. They're the same basic personality beforehand, um, but uh, alcohol has uh, end organ effects uh, on the brain that cause uh, you know brain deterioration. Um, Whereas uh, other substances of abuse, they'll hurt other organs in the body, but the brain remains basically uh, unchanged, aside from being awake and asleep at the same time, which is what opiates do to the brain. So, uh, the the number one thing that number one there's it's controversy over what's the number one sign of addiction, but certainly if you're falling off in your performances uh, at work, you're in Mm -hmm. an advanced stage uh if you've given up hobbies and and things that then that's you know at the earlier stage uh that uh, uh a person can't stop at that point because the awareness that it's the drug causing the problem rather than them wanting to take the drug and that causing problem it's it's two different situations drug causing mm-hmm. problem or the patient you're giving up activities. For the drugs. so But nonetheless, right. they're, they're on their way down the road already. But uh, for most of the patients I, I see, I always ask, what was their very first exposure? Did they get uh, wisdom teeth pulled out when they were young? Did they have tonsil surgery? Uh, something, you know, 14, 15, 16. What was their first exposure? Um, and in today's, you know, uh, 20 to 40-somethings, it's usually medical. Uh, people didn't go out on the streets and find heroin to get started on using opiates. They did. Uh, right. The, today's, but they that same population of people would have theoretically fallen into that same trap. Uh, different socioeconomic statuses and so forth, and and education. So you know, there's um, uh, drugs that I would not do because I heard that they were so dramatically powerful. Um, but, like you said, in medical school, they, you know, crack cocaine when you and I were interns uh, had come out. And boy, right. people's lungs were just melting right in front of us. They had all kinds of lung problems. Um, but uh, they really didn't say much about opiates and benzodiazepines and other substances of, of, of abuse and addiction. So um, it, it's a, it's a, specialty that's an evolution. And like I say, I have right. my own theories and so forth that I'm going to release in a bundle package. So, um, I'm holding back some of that, but it is, it is a genetic basis. Uh, most definitely. Um, uh, it could skip generations. There's that aspect of the gene. There's different varieties of the genes. And then these genes seem to be causing other, uh, psychological conditions. And so, right. um, Uh, Opiate dependency, if the doctor does not know the person has a problem and the person doesn't know, it can look like depression or uh, anxiety. Uh, It can look like PTSD, um, ADHD, you know, distracted. They're distracted because they're trying not to think about taking their drug of choice, uh, the opiates. Uh, And so it can appear like a lot of other disorders, but it may just be opiate dependency. And dealing with that, then a lot of the... uh, the, the, the true psychiatric conditions, they'll go into remission or go quiet. Um, And then there is a personality disorders, uh, people that uh, take advantage of other people and things like that. Uh, uh, We've heard about psychopaths and sociopaths and doctors don't talk that way. Uh, But, you know, we have the diagnoses that these people are referring to while, while an addict is in active use, they have uh, personality disorders out the band because their brain is hijacked. Mm. Their brain, the, 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 the survival center in the brain, the part of the brain that says eat water, you know, drink food, get shelter and procreate that part of the brain is overridden and hijacked by get opiates, take opiates. It's, it's now the priority right. in the brain patients unaware. Right. So and that's, in, in saying another way, you, you can never get enough drugs if you're addicted. Right. That's saying that uh, if it was replacing food or, or sex, that, that now they they have a food addiction or something. But uh, if a starving person was uh, breaking into homes and and stealing so they could get something to eat, we wouldn't judge that. Uh, okay. That's what we're talking about though with the addicted person. They, they their brain believes that the opiates are necessary for survival. And so as such, they'll do what a starving person would do um, and, you know, assault people and theft and things like that. Once uh, quite to, to my surprise, even being an opiate dependent person, but you know, we we uh, were told to sit on a pedestal with doctors which is a complete joke, but I was, I was shocked when I started seeing patients on a regular basis. And as, a, as an addiction specialist as to, how kind and thoughtful and empathetic they were just mm-hmm. the opposite of what we've learned about them and it, it, i have a statement to them and i say it says nothing about you and it says everything about the drug right it's
1: right. not their fault it, yeah. exactly and, yeah, and then just like you said the american psychiatric association uh you know you and i know it as the dsm-3 but they come they came up with this criteria and you've mentioned several of these you know all the signs of opioid abuse you know, for example, taking a substance in a larger or a longer amount than intended. You know, a lot of times, you know, people may go in for surgery, and a doctor may give them a painkiller. Well, that that's really only intended for short-term use, not long-term. But if someone is taking substance in a larger quantity or longer longer than that, then that, that they're at risk of of becoming addicted. Another th- another uh, one that they mentioned, and it's something that you've kind of alluded to already unsuccessful efforts to curb or control substance use uh, you know you have the desire to do it but it's becoming more and more uh, difficult uh, another one you've already mentioned is excessive time spent painting. and now like you said with the food it becomes there comes the first priority of of hey I gotta get me some more of this pain medicine uh, for whatever reason whether it's making me uh, feel feel good or, 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 or not Another, I just you know talk about a couple couple more. Some of them you've already alluded to, like you said, repeat failure to fulfill work, home, or school uh, obligations, uh, continued opioid use despite related social or interpersonal problems, and uh, lastly, I'll mention withdrawal from social, occupational, and recreational activities. Kind of like you mentioned before. Um, In a nutshell having this drug or drugs, plural, uh, becomes a priority in life. So so when they come into your office, uh, Dr. Conine, what, what are some of the options that you can offer or 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 an addiction specialist can offer a patient uh, as far as treatment?
0: Um, I, I'm going to say uh, getting them cognitive behavioral therapy because I wanted to add hmm. to the DSM statements there. They added on... Um, that uh, despite the patient knowing it's causing them psychological harm,
1: mm-hmm. uh, in other
0: words, that it's there's it's fouling up their thinking. Uh, I ask patients, "Hey, do you know this was harming you psychologically?" I ask yeah. the question kind of backwards, because to me, that's a huge qualifier. That somebody is, I'm willing to throw away my personality, my friendships, uh, my very own state of being for a substance. Mm-hmm. And then. That, that, to me, harm ourselves psychologically and, and, and know it. Um, that's one of the ones I weighed in heavier. But in, in terms of uh, treatment, they've come out with some amazing things. Um, and initially, they had long-acting uh, naloxone or naltrexone, which is uh, the substance that binds to an opiate receptor and blocks other opiates from being able to bind. It, mm-hmm. it binds stronger than the other opiates we had at the time when we were using that, and that can come in the form of tablets that you take every day, but the patient could just skip those. Uh, but mm. they've also got a uh, an injection that lasts a month, um, mm. and that's uh, I don't I don't like dropping names for uh, companies, but it's a form of the naloxone. Yeah, did catch myself. It's a form of the the naloxone that they use to reverse opiate overdose, but it's, uh-huh. a, it's a monthly injection. But what I saw a lot with that was people with. Um, uh, constant withdrawal complaints and then also mm. you know soreness from the injection cuz it's a large volume um and, and as well then they had dysphoria dysphoria meaning they weren't able to to enjoy their normal opiates uh, they, they mm. couldn't they were almost uh, depressed or uh, indifferent to everything um but that, that's still used and um we we're finding out which patients tolerate that better and do well on that because uh, a monthly injection works really well um, to stop somebody from doing something. They don't have to make a decision every day just to take a pill or what have you. Now, in the, in the process of time here, uh, a new drug came available and was uh, approved by the FDA and the DEA for treating patients outpatient, uh, as opposed to methadone, which is a completely different topic and beast altogether. Uh but mm-hmm. this other medication is buprenorphine. Um and uh the the, the buprenorphine I, I'm, I think I'm gonna try to name every way you could get it so I don't give a leniency to any. But it comes, you know, as suboxone or subutex. Some people call them sub, some people call them bupe. There's also mm-hmm. another company makes uh, one called Dubsolve, there's another Bunavail. Um, And they have, you know, different methods of uh, delivery as well as it used to be uh, until the the recent law with uh, controlled substances in July that uh, private uh, compounding pharmacies could put together various doses and strengths at a cheaper rate for the patient. So they eliminated the local pharmacies being able to do that and doctors prescribing the, the cheaper form but nonetheless you know patients are still getting help through the buprenorphine that medication there binds stronger than the naltrexone it, it is it irreversibly binds you know what that means but uh, to say mm-hmm. to general people I, I tell people basically that it sticks to the opiate receptor and it's welded on there nothing's going to take it off except for your own body's immune system and as the buprenorphine breaks down then it finally lets go of the opiate receptor so the half-life in the neurologic system of the buprenorphine to block uh, an opiate addict from getting high uh, one dose can last up to six or seven days to block them from being able to get high so it's a daily commitment then when they wake up and they take their dose um, that medication is only absorbed orally it's nothing you swallow Uh, they they also have come out with six month implants but those implant doses were very low Uh, you couldn't get it uh very high in in six months and patients don't know how long they want to you know commit to to treatment and what they think they need and that's something i give my patients uh, a lot of uh, leeway on but then i remind them you know this is a risk are you doing this this is a risk and so, again, it's informed consent, and they're making their own decisions. But they've just now come up with a, uh, a monthly injection of buprenorphine. Uh, you know, I'm not going to name the company or the drug, but basically it's, it's the same thing that you put under your tongue, but it can be a very high doses uh, delivered daily from a one-month injection. And the most comforting thing about that is, uh, to my understanding, I haven't gotten the, the actual law. Uh, Being a doctor, it's hard with all these laws going on to keep up, but uh, (laughs) evidently we can. Yeah, right. Can I do this? Uh, Is it illegal? Right. Uh, With the the implants that lasted for six months, it was questionable whether or not you could supplement on top of that. In other words, should that not be enough, um, can you give the patient some oral dosage to make up for what they're not getting from their implants? With the monthly injection, it's a, it's a, it's a thumbs up. The, the government has supposedly said that, yes, if they're complaining of withdrawal symptoms, even though you've got them on a very high dosage from an intramuscular injection, it's not the same across the board for everybody, and that we can give oral uh, supplementation to that. So that's that's a relief, but um, people don't like to try things new, and nobody wants to be the first one. Uh, but it, it is a very great, great, great thing because you could put them on it basically basically from the first week of treatment and now they they no longer have a choice to take their dose every morning they're already committed because if they take anything it won't do any good they can't get euphoria while they're you know on buprenorphine so it's it's i'm i'm really excited about that monthly injection because of what it implies um a lot of people start stopping in other words to stop taking opiates it's a learning process. It's not, a, it's not an overnight process. And it sounds so silly to the general public uh, to be a, a non-addicted person to go, what, you just stop? And it, it sounds just like that. But in, in the end, I, I, I think that is the, the truth. You just I finally got to a point where I said, no, no, I would will, I will give up anything to not take these. Oh, I, I don't yeah. care about my life anymore. I don't want to die from something that doesn't have life. You know, give right. myself up for a stapler or a pencil, give my life up for an inanimate object, just really that was <laughs> not on my menu. And so right. um, I took great, great strides to, uh, to stop. But and I think and that's what it really comes down to, in the end, for some people. Uh, for me, it's I'm not going to do that because I wouldn't stick a pencil in my eye. They don't do right. anything good for me ever. There's no good ending to that story. And I think that's a, a really important point of looking at uh, opiate dependent. Dependency in,
1: into the general
0: public that it's like uh, if you're convinced that this is never going to work out for you, then you have to figure out a way to not do it anymore. It, it, it's, it's a strong drive because uh, it, it, it is saying just no in the end. The right. uh, um, uh, Reagan campaign that just say no, and it comes down to that in the end. I, I really believe it does. I know it did for me. It's just
1: like no, yeah. no more. Well, yeah, so so you know, I like that combination of of uh, you know, the, the treatment does not just include uh, you know, just just taking medication. It's good that it does cuz, you know, this is a, this is a chemical uh, you know, the addiction is 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 something that's chemically going on in the body. So it's great that we have drugs to help reverse that. But also uh touching on what you just mentioned, it 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 it, it also boils down to a decision as well as determination and we all know that that is not easy but as you mentioned early on cognitive behavioral therapy is a very key component uh with regard to with regard to addiction and and the other thing uh I guess I would say is that you know results aren't necessarily overnight it 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 takes time and so that commands a lot of patience uh, patient as well as uh, commitments. Uh, so at restoration, yeah, that's the starting uh, stopping thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Go yeah. Ahead, I'm sorry. i was so, just saying that's part of the starting stopping.
1: Right. Yeah. It's yeah. it's something that that you really first of all need to uh, find an addiction medicine specialist, and then you know make sure that you all are or are, 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 are comparable. And develop that relationship and, and stay with it. Um, so I, I'm assuming, Dr. Kanay, a lot of your patients you see, you know, you end up seeing long term, as in more than just a few weeks or, or a month or so.
0: Right. I have various programs available, but
1: almost all patients
0: uh, go for a, a longer maintenance, um, mm-hmm. even if they try and do something short term, um, less than three or four months of uh, treatment uh a good percentage of them end up returning because uh they didn't um mm. understand their opponent uh, you, you know if you, if you think your opponent is Elmer Fudd and it's Mike Tyson you're going to lose that fight and that's right. that's where a lot of them come up short that it's it's, uh, it's it overpowers the brain to a large extent so yeah a lot of patients do end up uh more on long term treatment but the way, one thing I I skipped over as uh, looking for what they're calling a dual diagnosis. In other words, do they have a uh, another psychiatric condition that is adding to or causing their return to drug use and addressing those symptoms. And that can be tricky because a lot of the substances to address uh, psychiatric symptoms um, interfere with uh, you know, the cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, in other words, the, If if you're taking a medication, you don't need to learn a coping tool. You just take a pill. And so this dual diagnosis thing that's come up, I I, I warn all my patients that are dual diagnosis, this is not your secondary diagnosis. This is like your 20th level diagnosis. Your number 1 through 19 is opiate dependency because that drug will kill you. This thing will kill you. And your, your dual diagnosis is important, but it's not as important as staying clean.
1: Exactly. We got about a minute left. How can you be reached, and how can we? How can one reach out to you and find you on social media?
0: Um, you could go to subdoctors.net. That's the addiction uh, website. S u b d o c t o r s. dot n e t or uh, restorationphysicians.com. Usual spelling of restoration. Usual spelling of physicians. Uh, all in one word. dot com. Uh, on there, there's uh, all kinds of information uh, for people, but as well as in our phone numbers and our email contacts and what you can expect during a normal visit, The uh, pictures of the office. Uh, we try and make it very comfortable and, and not a sterile clinic uh, approach to music playing and things like that so people are comfortable. Um, and you see that all on the website, and the phone number's there, eight one three I'm happy to see anybody from anywhere.
1: Beautiful. Uh, also
0: beautiful. have uh, YouTube's that are educational. So
1: that is excellent. And what's that YouTube channel?
0: Uh, well, it's uh, Doctor Conine. Uh, it's D R dot letter C, the letter O, and then the digit nine. Uh, it's the phonetic name of saying my name. No spaces in there. doctorco dot C O uh, nine. And they go on there, and there's there's things about health, much like yourself, which is uh, really interesting uh, that you and I are right on the same page all these years later. Um, things about health, but also things about addiction, things about other, uh, you know, psychiatric or dual diagnosis, things about nutrition and hormones, and and all these things play together for everybody on the planet, but especially the the addicted patients. Excellent, excellent. Very important. Thanks for having
1: me. It's been great talking to you about this. We're going to, you know, I always tell my... uh, uh, guests, they can always come back on the show. We're going to have to do that in the very near future, but I'm so glad that you're able to come on the show and talk to us about hormonal therapy and talk to us about the treatment of uh, opioid addiction. So uh, thanks for carving out some time for joining us.
0: That would be a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you again in the future, Aaron.
1: All righty, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes another episode of the weekly the show. We invite you... To join us next week, if you missed any of this podcast, don't forget to go to our Weekly Wellness Show fan page and download the link. Until next week, I encourage you to be healthy, be happy, and be kind.
0: My heart skips skipping the beach and are not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, sway into the music, girl, that body
1: and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa,
0: play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. I don't think you know what you're doing
1: to me, you my- With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.